cliffcentral.com We're going to cry, laugh, and love. And we're going to do it together. The Life with Libang podcast. Welcome to another episode of Life with Libang brought to you by cliffcentral.com. And of course, it's something we do every week. We sit and meet some really, really great individuals who are doing great things for themselves, for the community, just people that are really giving off their time to make the world a better place. And I am constantly mind blown and shocked at how wonderful and uh, selfless these people are. And as you know, this part of the show is called This Is Us. And today we are hanging out with the South African National Council for the Blind. Now, if you didn't know, this is a registered NPO that's been around since 1929. That is a very, very long time. And the core objectives were obviously promoting the rights of persons with visual impairments, prevention, inclusion, and support. And the list goes on and on and on. And I'm just so excited to be hanging out with a group of people who are really here to explain more about what that is because I'll be honest I don't I don't think I I see or hear a lot about the SANCB but I know how important it is so that's why I'm saying I'm quite keen today because then it'll shed some light on the great work that you guys are doing so today I'm hanging out with Angelina Coupe, Chris Budeli as well as Bavanisha Chandapasad Yes, I got their names right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. And how are you guys all doing? Great. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll get straight into the questions because there's so much that I want to talk about today. So what is the South African National Council for the Blind all about? And what does the organization mean by providing advocacy and promoting the rights of the visually impaired person? Thank you, Lebang, and thank you so much to cliffcentral.com for this opportunity. So the South African National Council for the Blind, like you rightfully mentioned, is a non-profit organization that was established in 1929 to meet the needs of all blind people in South Africa. So um, we are affiliated to the African Union for the Blind, to the World Blind Union, as well as to the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness. We have a national footprint with a member organi- a membership organization of about 80 organizations across the country. Um, we are governed by a national executive structure as well as the National Management Committee and the organization is led by the National Executive Director. Our core focus is advocacy, inclusion, prevention and support and we are structured in the organization with five core divisions um, that are basically income generation and service generation um, divisions. Mm. So the first is the Assistive Technology Center. The Assistive Technology Center is a one-stop shop for assistive devices. So here we sell and stock Anything from your white cane to your liquid level indicators to your braille watches. We even have talking microwaves uh, for those that are very domesticated. (laughs) Um, Then we have the Bureau for the Prevention of Blindness. I'm not going to delve too much into that um, because my colleague Angelina will take us through what the Bureau focuses on in terms of prevention of blindness. Then we have Optima College. Optima College is a TVET college um, that caters and does training 
for it's actually skills development training for 120 learners on an annual basis. We are accredited with the uh, HW CETA. We are also accredited with the services CETA. And the courses that we offer are end user computing, introduction to computers, business administration, contact center, Abbott level four, and as additional um, skills, uh, we also offer Braille literacy and skills of daily living together with orientation and mobility. We also then have the National Help Desk, which Mr. Bodelli here is the manager of. The National Help Desk is basically, um, you know, the, the point of which all information is gathered about the sector. When people call through, uh, they are then referred to the correct um, or directed to the correct places in terms of getting assistance that we don't provide at council. We also have two wings, which are called the South African Blind Youth Organization, as well as the South African Blind Women in Action. So abbreviated, they would be SABIO and SABWIA. Um, these two organizations, or wings basically, of council, actually deal with gender issues when it comes to women who are visually impaired, mm. and then all challenges and issues that relate to the youth that are blind, whether it's your unemployment, you know, whether it's just going to apply for a disability grant or anything that needs to be dealt with by the youth and the women. So in terms of advocacy, advocacy to me is the act and the process of supporting a cause. And in this case, it is the act and the fighting for and promoting the rights of visually impaired persons. Now, we engage with government, with corporate, with the society at large, so that we assist them to transform themselves in the manner in which they deal with and relate to a visually impaired person. Mm -hmm. We do this so that barriers are removed and to create a conducive environment that a visually impaired person can work in. Now I'm using the term visually impaired, which incorporates being totally blind and being partially sighted. Mm. Okay, so the South African National Council for the Blind seeks to create a caring and inclusive society for all where people with visual impairment can participate and enjoy the same right as their sighted counterparts. Mm. So basic rights would include everything that is in the normal Bill of Rights. So it's your right to basic education, your right to health care, your right to employment, your right to housing, and the right to access information. Sure. Uh, I mean, that is a lot, but it's not a surprise. I mean, an establishment that's been around since 1929, I mean, <laughs> you'd expect that a lot is going on and you've got all these different divisions and different uh, sectors i think that's very impressive and of course very important because you're touching then a broader society and a lot of lives um versus just a few so i think that's that's incredibly impressive so now angelina we, before you you get into the nitty-gritties how do you actually get involved um with the with the organization okay thank you you know, the Bureau for the Prevention of Blindness is where we are. Mm. And 
and like the name says, we do prevention of blindness. Uh, this is the it is a division of the South African National Council for the Blind, which was established in nineteen forty four. Yeah. So it is you know, those who love the Bureau for the Prevention of Blindness, they call it the Bureau. So I'll refer to it as the Bureau. Okay. You know, the Bureau is actually the the flagship of eye care prevention mm. because we work with the national and provincial departments of health. Mm. We also work with the departments of education. We work with the corporates. How it works is that we, you know, in eye care services, the, if you look at South Africa, 80% of the population needs what is called primary eye care. Mm. You know, that is the basic eye care that is needed for somebody to be able to, to do her daily living. Mm. So with those 80% of the people, we do what we call comprehensive eye care services. So we sign MOUs with the departments of health and some corporates, and then we set up pro um, program for the whole year where we'll go out and do the screening of the the the, the especially we, we we look at the indigent population, mm-hmm. those who cannot have. Uh, uh, afford the much expensive eye care services. So we do the screening, we treat the minor diseases, and then we have two main focuses. That is cataract, which is the leading cause of blindness mm-hmm. worldwide. So, and then, sorry, Angelina, please excuse my ignorance. What exactly um, is the cataract? Because I know my mother recently had to go for like a, an eye uh, op where she had to either remove some. I, I just need a. Can you just explain exactly what that is so I can understand it a bit better? Okay, cataract is the. You know, the eye has mm. got a what is got a lens, mm. a lens which helps with the you know refracting the sun rays. To the back of the eye, okay. where they are, they they are sensor cells that helps the person to see. Mm. So now that lens is clear. With age, it turns white. Yeah. And yeah. at times with injury or with disease like diabetes and glaucoma, mm. it turns white. Okay. So now when it is, it turns white. The visual pathways is occluded, mm. so it needs to be removed. The good thing about cataract that when it is removed then vision is restored. Yeah. Okay. No, thank you for that quick lesson. <laughs> okay. So you were saying about the bureau, yes. Okay. So we signed the, 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 the contract with the, the government and the, the private sectors. We focus on cataract, I said, and school screening. Mm. So in school screening, we're actually looking at the learners who come from poor communities. We go there, we do the screening, and then... W- as the Bureau, we've got our teams, and our teams only consist of nurses. Mm. So when we go for school screening, we need an optometrist who is going to help with the refractions to test the learners so that they get the glasses, as it helps them to improve their academic performance. Yeah. Yes. So like... Uh, 
Well, my colleague said the Bureau is also affiliated to the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness, which is a member of the World Health Organization. Mm. And there are two very important um, um, days that we... We, we, we commemorate. Yeah. In March, this coming month, 6 to 13, we'll be commemorating the World Glaucoma Week. Okay. That's where we educate people on the importance of having their eyes checked regularly because mm. with glaucoma, once the vision is lost, it is lost. It's not like cataract. Oh, so it, it won't come back. No, it won't oh. come back. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm. And because glaucoma is not painful, you know, and you start losing sight vision, people mm. only realize when almost the vision, they've got tunnel vision, that oh, no. they have a problem. So we educate them, encourage them to have regular eye checks. Mm. And then in October... We've got the World Sight Day. That is a day also where we actually, it's, there's a call to action mm. for everyone, every individual, yourself, your neighbor, your family, that they need to have eyes checked. You know, usually nobody really cares about eyes. Mm. It's only when somebody goes blind that we hey. say, how? then there is a problem. That's but otherwise, true. very few of us really take time to say, and I'm going to see a doctor just to check my eyes. Mm. And, you know, we have a, like an, an advisory board called the Bureau Committee. It consists of professors in university teaching institutions of ophthalmology. Then they are the ones who actually advise us on the medication and whatever we need to do, mm. we get advice from them. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for all that information, Angelina. So um, from what you've just said, I must admit, I'm guilty. I'm one of those people that doesn't necessarily prioritize eye testing or even just to check, you know, because you never know how bad it is. And I, in fact, went to the licensing department a couple of weeks ago to renew my driver's license. And then they said, it's time to do an eye test. I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I know myself. You're Hey, I was going to fail because my eyes have just gotten that bad. So I, you know, guilty. I'm, as I sit here, I'm not going to lie and act like I've been, uh, taking care of my eyes, but I do know that it's an important thing that we need to do. And the fact that you guys give out more information about the importance of that is really, really extremely helpful. Um, and I just hope that more and more people will, will take it seriously. Mr. Chris Budeli, um, thank you for being here as well. So tell me about your, um, your participation in the organization. When did you get involved in the South African National Council for the Blind? Yeah, no, I started working at the SA National Council for the Blind in 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went through, you know, at that time I was the youth coordinator. Mm -hmm. And I was working with Sabio. Then I later joined the Community Development Division. Okay. And, uh, you know, I later became the management, the manager thereof. Mm. And now I'm mending the help desk for South African Shark Cancer for the Blind. Wow. So you've definitely worked your way up. So yes, you started yes. at the bottom and then you worked your way all the way up. All the way up. And how, how's that experience been for you? Like, you know, that's being a part of something so important. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a really good experience. Yeah. And uh, I learned a lot, you know. Mm. 
Um, I'm partially sighted myself, but there were things that I didn't know, yeah. which I learned through my work and yeah. interaction with the people out there yeah. uh, who are blind and partially sighted. So it has been a wonderful experience. Of course, I mm-hmm. can I can just imagine like helping so many other people. Yeah, um, you know, do things that they previously wouldn't be able to do, have access to spaces that they previously wouldn't be allowed access to. Um, yeah, and I, I I wonder about um, you know, the, the poorest. Of people in the country, in in the rural areas and the townships, who wouldn't even know where to start. How do you guys go about, um, you know, accessing yourselves to them so that they can have access to you guys? Because in in a country like South Africa, you know, we can't deny the the fact that there's a lot of people living in poverty. So it, it can't be at the top of your list. Um, you know, to attend to your blind family member, you're hungry, you're, you need work, all of those things. So how do you guys go about, you know, um, being accessible to them? Yeah, firstly, I would like to mention that we have uh, offices in each of the nine provinces. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, we also reach out to people through our member organizations. Mm. That's why we are an organization, an umbrella body of member organizations, because member organizations exist in the community Mm. and they are closest to the community. Yeah. They are made up of community members who are blind and partially sighted. We encourage them to, we encourage them to do that. Yeah. So they can also, assist other people who become blind in the community. So we are right there at the grassroots. I love that. That's so important. Mm. So, but Venetia, tell me a bit more about your guys' focus because when I think about prevention, inclusion, advocacy, and support for the blind, um, those are those are all areas that you guys are obviously like hone in on. But how do you go about improving the lives of blind people um, at the National Council for the Blind? Like in general, how do you guys really make sure that, you know, if you're a blind person and you're struggling, you guys are the right people to go to. Okay, Lebang, what it is we do in the communities is that we actually, um, like Chris mentioned now, is we work very closely with our member organizations. Mm. We also have what is called orientation and mobility practitioners in the communities. Okay. So what these individuals actually do is that they go out to identify a visually impaired person, they would work very closely with that person in order to teach them mobility skills, skills of daily living. And I will explain what all of these things are (laughs) are to you. And, you know, basically work with them so that they they do not feel excluded, Mm. number one, you know, within their families, within their communities. And they're also then taught how to access um, you know, services that are out there for them. So in terms of orientation and mobility, um, we teach them to, you know, be mobile, mm-hmm. to move from one point to the next. And we do this with the help of a white cane. Okay, so a white cane is actually a tool of independence to a visually impaired person. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of assisted uh, skills of daily living, individuals are taught how to make a sandwich, how to iron their clothes, how to dress themselves, how to choose their clothing. Um, you know, and we also teach their family members as well as the community how to interact with them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, all of these services combined together with um, the Bureau for the Prevention of Blindness, where we do restore sight, is how we actually help in our communities. 
um, apart, you know, during COVID, COVID was also another time where, you know, the simple act of utilizing sanitizer or putting on a mask, you had to teach that to a visually impaired person. And more so during COVID, you know, it was very difficult, um, for a visually impaired person to go about doing their daily activities because touch is what a blind person would use to feel their way around, mm. to be guided mm. even into a shop, you know. So it was very difficult and we had to work very closely with our constituents in all of these aspects, even throughout COVID. So there was no lockdown for us. You know, we had mm. to be at the helm of everything and continue with whatever it is we were doing. We also assist, you know, um, when people become visually impaired, they would then have to go to um, the Department of Social Development or the SASA offices to register for a disability grant. If they lose their IDs, we would have to assist them, you know, to go and reapply for, for IDs. We, you know, and it's things, it's information like this that it's very important. It's also confidential information. Mm. But they would have to, you know, have that trust in us in order to provide all of this information to us so that we are able to then assist them further. Yeah. So what, what I'm basically um, getting from you is that the daily operations of any person's life, even the small things that we take for granted, putting on your clothes, brushing your own teeth, being able to move around, these are places where you guys come in and assist the visually impaired person that is it's insane it's insane because i it's 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 hitting me now more and more that we really do take for granted these these things that you know we feel are just like given to us or we can just uh, or should just be able to do um i want to speak a little bit about education and training and rehabilitation especially for the employment of blind people i know as we all know, it's no secret that unemployment in South Africa is just skyrocketing. I mean, I've even lost track with the numbers, but more so with, with, with blind people, I can just imagine trying to apply for a job um, must be even more difficult. So what's the process taken if, for example, I'm looking at enrolling and ensuring that I do receive employment? Okay, Lebang, um, in terms of, you know, our education and training, so there's a process that needs to be followed, um, yeah. you know, for, for an individual to actually apply to the college. So you would generally normally just make a call or you'd send an email yeah. making an inquiry. Yeah. Um, so there is an application form that needs to be completed by an applicant. Yeah. And our minimum requirements um, for entrance into the college is a grade 10. And you would have had to pass your grade 10 in the fourth quarter of that year. Okay. So in your final quarter yeah. or term, basically. Mm. You have to be between the ages of 18 to 29 years. And you have to be unemployed. And you should be totally blind or partially sighted. Those are the requirements. Mm. Once all of these requirements are met, we would then look at getting supporting documents like an affidavit from the police station stating that you are unemployed. You would need a letter from an ophthalmologist mm. um, confirming your disability in terms of your blindness. And then you would go through a pre-assessment. Um, so your pre-assessment would indicate whether you are ready for the classroom or not. Mm. And that is usually done by a social worker or an occupational therapist. So once... Um, 
you know, our learners have gone through our courses and they graduate with a certificate from CETA. We don't guarantee employment. That is not what we do at council, right? But what we do is we work with partners like government departments, corporates. Mm. We work with other individuals that are blind um, and have been employed to create partnerships where we can place these learners. Mm. It can be anything from a call center to, um, you know, any corporates, and I'm not going to advertise for any of the corporates now, but, <laughs> you know, any, any corporate where, um, you know, that would be accessible and also have reasonable accommodation to accommodate uh, a visually impaired persons. Because you would find now a lot of corporates or a lot of um, any office for that matter is not uh, reasonably fitted with, you know, the proper equipment for your, your computer, for example. Yeah. It would not have the necessary software. Yes. So, you know, you would have to provide all of these kinds of um we call it reasonable accommodation for a visually impaired person in order to make them comfortable mm. and, you know, ready for employment. So we also work with these individuals to get them, you know, to get their CVs ready, to get uh, them to a, to a stage where they are ready for an interview and then also, you know, to be placed in a job. So I also, I just want to reemphasize that we are not a placement agency, mm. but we do work with partners mm. where we are able to place. And we've placed quite a lot of learners that have come out of Optima College. Yeah. So, yeah. If anything, it's, um, it's, it's sounding as though you sort of prepare yes. the individual. Uh, so it's the stage before employment. Exactly. Yeah. And then hopefully employment will follow. But either way, Whatever they do after they, they graduate, they are in a better position than what they were before. Right? Correct, correct. Okay, absolutely no, that, correct. That's good to know. So on that note, how do you support the community? So community empowerment and its development. Is that a question that I should ask to Chris? Or is that, Chris, is that yours? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's fantastic. Mine. That's mine. Yeah, you know, um, there are a lot of things that we do in terms of uh, empowerment and you know, supporting the community. Through our member organizations, we have what we call community awareness yeah. uh, campaigns, which they do in their communities to make sure that people are aware of us as blind people mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, are aware of the services that are there to assist because, you know, anybody can become blind at any time. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah, speaking to the listeners, uh, just taking it personal to say whenever or, or when you become blind, God forbid, mm. <laughs> what you can do is to contact us and, uh, you know, you call the South African National Council for the Blind and they will put you through to my desk, yeah. which is the help desk now, yeah. and uh, we'll interact to find out where you are, who you are, whether you're blind or partially sighted and so on and so forth. And I'll link you with the relevant organizations within yeah. your easy reach in the community. Yeah, so, so that then they can assist you, give you counseling and make sure that, you know, you know what is there for you as mm. a blind person and how you are going to be able to do things yeah. uh, as a blind person because you will do them differently from when you were sighted. Mm. So, yeah, that whole setup has to happen. And, uh, you know, then with that information, you are able to 
uh, you know, be able to live like you did before. Yes. Although, you know, you might not be able to drive if you could drive before, but at least you will have a life and you will be able to still interact with yes. other members of the community yes. as well as your family members as a, a blind person. Yeah. yeah so you'll so still have your independence. You still have your independence. Yes. And you still can talk and can hear and can... You know, dance like everybody else. Yeah, as long as you can dance, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else we'll see later. Yeah, so, that's so if, yeah. if I want to make a donation to your organization, um, is it the same information? Do I call the help desk? Before we go on to that, can I just add something to absolutely, what Chris, um, ha- you know, uh, has, has already mentioned? Because mm. we're talking about empowerment and communities and all mm. of that. And I think one of the things that he probably just forgot because he also has a lot in his mind. But, um, you know, we work with uh, our communities and we empower them to start their own businesses. Oh, nice. So we just don't w- identify them, teach them your skills of daily living and leave them there. So we mobilize them. And these are some of the 80 member organizations that eventually become members of council. So hence we are their mother body. So we we work with them through a process where we teach them to start their own business mm-hmm. right up until the point where we have to hand them over to CEDA to register a small enterprise. So that, you know, these individuals, their groups normally form between 15 to 20 people mm-hmm. per group. And, you know, they, all they have is their disability grant to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we all know the cost of assistive devices are so expensive with the rising cost of, you know, food, Mm. petrol, you know, all of these things. So, you know, if they have their own businesses and have something to fall back on, it gives them, it also still instills in them that level of independence that, you know, it gives them self, it boosts their self-esteem. And, um, you know, they also then able to have a life. Like Chris said, you know, we all want to dance to the tune of the same music yeah, so yeah. Um, in terms with regards to our donations so I am the fundraising and marketing manager okay. at Council for the Blind and I started in 2016 so donations to the South African National Council for the Blind can be made via EFT, credit cards, debit orders um, and I will give out our banking details, which is the Standard Bank, and our banking details are account number 011-272-872. The branch is Tswane Mid-City, and it is a business current account in the name of the South African National Council for the Blind. The SANCB is a registered public benefit organization which means that donations are tax deductible in accordance with the Income uh, Income Tax Act of 1962. So uh, you can also donate via a personal donation if you belong to a trust, a a corporate, or a foundation. And by leaving a bequest to the South African National Council in your will, you can also donate by purchasing Spectacles from Specsavers, which is a campaign we are running with Specsavers, where a portion of your purchase is donated to the South African National Council for the Blind. 
And then we also registered with the My School, My Village campaign. So, you know, that costs you nothing. All you need to do is register to get a card. Mm. And a portion of your swipe at the participating stores will give us, you know, something back in return. Mm. Um, we can, we also receive donations for cataract operations. Um, our cataract operations are very cheap compared to the private uh, sector. Mm. And, um, you know, as well as the subsidization of assistive devices. And I, and I keep going back to the white cane because the white cane is a tool that is, you know, that a blind person is able to be mobile with. Yeah. And that a tool that also can identify a visually impaired person, especially when they're using public transport, when they're moving around in the mall, you know, all these kinds of things. So our assistive devices can be subsidized as well. And then we also have um, an addition to our college whereby we train employed students. So our employed students are, you know, individuals in industry that have recently gone blind, but, um, you know, their company doesn't want to lose them. So they send them to us. The company pays for that training and they send them to us for training so that these individuals still are mm, in the em- mm. in their employ. Yeah. So those are some of the ways that um you know the community can support yeah. the South African National Council for the Blind. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure. So I think we got everything. We got all the information. Uh, nice and neatly packaged. I think if anybody listening um, has any questions, they should be able to find you guys uh, on social media, on your guys' website. And um, this is all information that is is easily um, accessible. So thank you to Angelina. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Bavanisha, for being here. Um, I, I hope you, you guys can continue, can continue to touch the lives of the people that definitely need the help. Thank you so much, Lebang, for having mm-hmm. us. And I'd like to leave our contact details Absolutely, um, yes. you know, uh, going forward. So the council, like you mentioned, can be reached via our website, which is www.sancb.org.za. Our contact number at the office is 012-452-3811. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram, the South African National Council for the Blind. We're very easy to find. And you can email the help desk at sancb.org.za. And after hours, if anybody's looking for any information or assistance, you can reach us on 082-328-6752. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming here today and uh, informing us about things that we don't often um, care to think Enough about, although it's literally excuse the pun, staring us right in the face. Um, so I, yeah, I hope we can catch up very soon. And uh, thank you for participating on this week's episode of This Is Us. And um, yeah, Aluta Continua. Cliffcentral.com.